You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Today, I have a special one. I've been meaning to do this for a while, and the opportunity presented itself, so we're doing it. This is my second conversation with my dude, Big KO. Now, this was originally released months and months ago for patrons. So patrons of the podcast got this immediately. Right when the first episode was released, this was its companion. Occasionally when I do those, I get done listening and I get enough feedback from people that, you know, these episodes have to come out of hiding and be public. And this was one of them. So it is now officially public. So if you have not listened to the first episode with Big KO, then you need to go back in the feed a little bit. Just type in Big KO Tone Mob into whatever podcast listening app you use, and I'm sure it will pop right up. Go check that one out first. And no, this is the conversation that followed immediately after. We took a little water break and then dove right into this conversation. These are the things that the patrons get. So if you can support the show, it's just five bucks a month and you will get extra episodes beamed directly to your ears every week. So thank you very much for everyone that has done that. And patrons of the show, I've got something cool for you this week. So I hope you all enjoy. I really appreciate all the support. And let's get into this episode. KO, welcome. What's happening? To the cool kids section of the podcast. That's what I always say. This is only for the cool kids, the most beautiful, hottest, genius people on the planet. That's the only one. These, these for cats to get uh, thrown out of class and uh, go to detention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they, most likely. Or have, you ever, or have you ever gotten in-home suspension back? I mean, in-school in suspension when you back in the day? Yeah. And it'd be like a bunch of misfits and... Uh, but what I found is those misfit, those misfits are the coolest cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, like when I coming up, like um, the metal cats and the hip hop cats and all the rebels and the misfits hung out together, like yeah. on the side of the school. Like the metal cats would be out there smoking cigarettes. The hip hop guys would be out there smoking whatever they smoke, <laughs> and it, and it was like you know. It was like all the mitzvahs, but music and culture, again, brings everyone together. So 100 percent. So we were talking. Yeah, so this is the mitzvahs class. We, we were talking about before we hit record on this part that you have a burger. And I was about to ask you, like, what? Tell me about the burger, like what's on it. But then I was like, no, we got to record this. People need to hear this. So tell me about. The yeah, I, you might be asking, like, why does a guitar player have a burger? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, no, I really like hamburger like when, when when i travel all around like with me and dmc travel it's just a really standard dish that you can really order in anywhere you know at hotels and, and it's 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 pretty standard so I, i've become somewhat of a burger connoisseur i really like burgers so I, I teamed up with my man mike pantano from pantano's fine eats in um, long island new york they are, you know, one of the hugest uh, delis in Long Island and in New York, in the country. Um, and we brainstormed and came up with the Big K.O. Burger. Uh, the Big K.O. Burger is based on a, a burger 
that I grew up eating in my neighborhood um, that was made by a gentleman named um, Suki. He had a uh, deli called Suki's Deli, and his specialty was a burger called the Suki Burger. So the KO Burger is a um, recreation of that, and it's um, well, one quarter pound smash patty, um, Russian dressing, grilled onions, pastrami mm-hmm. on a toasted Kaiser. Oh. Um, and that's the key, oh, oh, the, toast, the toasted Kaiser, man. Because like when you toast the Kaiser, it just takes it in the premium zone. You know oh. what I'm saying? And then the grilled onions, um, the melody of the grilled onions and, and the um, Russian mm-hmm. is just, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. So to speak, if you add that with um, hot pastrami and a, and a, and a quarter pound patty, is really doing well at, at Pantano because like the the play um Pantano's is directly across from um um Jet where the Jets practice in Uniondale, Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um so a lot of Jets players and coaches and athletes are coming in and then a lot of my friends and family that live in New York, I, I really did this this burger for them because it's a way for them to support the, the single and support me. Yeah. Uh and just go out and get something cool and eat and and People who go out and get it, you know, they get a free ghetto metal T-shirt. And then, you know, every once in a while, if they go get a burger, they may turn around and me and DMC are there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, we do pop-ups there just to surprise fans. Like, we don't tell them. We just go by and grab something to eat. So if you're there on a lucky day, you can hang out with us. That's all. If, if you're there on a lucky day, you can hang out with DMC. So that, that's cool. I love it. I love it. I like it when musicians, like, just get get... I mean, obviously, music is the heart of everything that we do, right? But I mm-hmm. I like it when people expand just into other things. I like it. You know, you say you got a, a children's book coming out, you know, mm-hmm. like comic books, like all of this art and food, too. Like, it's all creative endeavors. There's no reason to, like, limit yourself to one thing. If you sure. be passionate about multiple things, do them. You know, why not? I like lifestyle stuff. Like, um, I know a lot of guitar players and guitarists, like, um, when they see a company release, like something like lifestyle, like Fender releases something that's like not truly guitar related, or it may be just like a, a shirt or a hat, or guys go insane. Oh my God. But lifestyle is part of the, um, immersement in what you love. Right. Yeah. So if you, if you love, um, Kramer guitars, you can get a Kramer hat. If you love Benson amps, you can outfit yourself. So I, I, I love I love lifestyle stuff, and I I think it's cool when um, brands and guitarists, you know, um, bring cool stuff to the market. I know people like Joe Bonamassa get criticized for having so many signature signature guitars and signature items, but I don't think any of his fans are complaining. <laughs> you know, it's something it's something for them to immerse themselves um in his brand i think that's dope I, and you're right i think more artists need to do it um run dfc and dfc has always been a um, artist that that do that like if you want to immerse yourself in um in their music i mean adidas um action figures funko pops legos comic books cartoons it's like but you know you, you, i guess you have to kind of reach a certain status to fully um 
make that work for you. Like Joe B is definitely at a deserving status where he can put his name on everything. And um, his fans really love it. Not run DMC is at that status. So, you know, for I, you're right. I think it's, it's cool for um, guitar players and musicians to, to do different things other than just, you know, beer or spirit, which is cool too. I mean, I have a ghetto metal IPA coming out in a nice. ghetto metal coffee blend, but honestly, it's not trying to reach and, and do all kinds of um, crossovers. It's just stuff that I like. Like I like coffee. I love hamburgers. I like comic books. I, you know, I, I, I really believe in um, doing things for children that, that, help them become better um adults because it's all about the children man like we are you like you said you have children you, did you have kids you're married you said or you have kids yet yeah yeah married two kids mm-hmm. married two kids so you know man um we've pretty much effed everything up <laughs> so <laughs> it's up to them and not really even us like it's been messed up for years and we just can perpetually destroy things but it's up to our children to make things better. So I'm really about the kids and really inspiring kids of all colors and creeds, but you know, um, kids that kids that look like me that need an escape. You could, that is um, little kids. Like my escape was through music. Um, because I was a guitar player, <clears throat> I, I wasn't hanging out in the dangerous streets of the eighties. And I mean, I did hang out, but I didn't hang out as much because I was a musician. I had friends that got murdered. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, again, I don't want to take a left turn with, our, with our, our commentary, but when it comes to what music is to you and, and what drives you. And uh, so when I, when I hear blues players and or whatever, but let's just say blues players, um, how I judge blues players is different than uh, how casual listener may listen to blues players. I listen to the authenticity. Mm-hmm. and something right so a lot of these guys um they're amazing guitar players and you know blues is kind of like the genre that works for them um but you know as a guy who has really seen some true blues and blues comes from you know hurt black people right hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Let's face it. I mean, there's no really way to sugarcoat it, although everyone can have the blues. Let's not get it twisted. But where it originates from is from the pain of a, uh, of a people. As a black guy, when I listen to blues and certain popular blues artists, I, it doesn't feel authentic to me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, and that's not a knock on any of the top players. Absolutely amazing guitar players, but it's kind of tough to call yourself a blues player. And then it's like having a food you know, liking it back to food. Um, you have a great restaurant, very expensive. Everyone in town wants to get in it. Um, and everyone may love their food, but a real connoisseur of food or food critic may sit down at that restaurant and be like, this food is bland. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, put it like this. If you have a soul food restaurant, you really better know how to cook soul food and, and know where the roots of that food come from. Mm-hmm. You can sell soul food to certain people who may not really know what a great soul food dish tastes like, but someone who do, does know what it tastes like can come through and be like, this needs more salt or this needs, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want to throw seasonings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's you, like, 
you know, Applebee's is the most popular, like one of the most popular restaurants, but it's not the best restaurant. Right. Just like Italians will tell you, you know, Olive Garden is, I, I like Olive Garden, but that's not, don't mention that to an authentic Italian. They will tell you <laughs> they don't eat that and don't, that's not real. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I feel about like certain genres and certain, um, like certain players and to make the point, my blues comes from like when I play the blues, it comes from a different place. I'm not from the Mississippi Delta. I'm not, I wasn't born on the river, but I did see my friends get their head blown off. Mm-hmm. I did see um, my friend's mother, be mothers and fathers and, and my whole neighborhood be decimated by drugs. Um, I, I, you know, I, I experienced murder um, like every, you know, crime, poverty, um, you know, if it wasn't my family, it was someone that lived next door to me or, or my friend's family or, or someone that lived next door to them. So that's where my, that's where my blues comes from. So again, um, that's not something that I always want to feel or convey. So it's important <laughs> right. again, we, right. We would, we were talking about before like, what's your dynamic music. Um, that's an, that's another reason why I, I love playing blues and I think I'm a great blues player, but I will never ever classify myself as a blues player because that's a that's heavy, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's why a lot of these dudes, when they call themselves the king of the blues, I, I don't understand, I don't think they understand how heavy that connotation is, man. Like um, could because blues holds a lot of pain as a music from from a lot of people in it. So when you call yourself the kings of blues, it, it it's a, it's a it's a turn off to to a people who really experience some heavy blues. Like my blues is not um because my stocks dropped twenty points, right? You know what I'm saying? Or or because I I couldn't get uh I couldn't get a deal on the phone to get a half a million dollar guitar. Yeah, like my my blues can't come from the pain of um you know, seeing one of my friend's daughters grow up without a father or to know that, you know, a friend that I had was when I was 17 or 18, never got a chance to experience anything outside of 18 years old. You never got a chance. And whereas music has taken me from around the world, music saved me. Um, it, you know, at the same time, I think about how many people aren't, that I came up with that aren't there that didn't have music to be a savior. And it's sad. So I, I don't think that people understand the, the, the um, seriousness when you call yourself um, the, the king of something. And so it, it, it's a tough thing to be, you know? Well, like, you think about like the, the history of the blues and like what, where that comes from, you know? And like what happened to some of the iconic blues players that made them feel and express in that way. And it's not something that most people mm-hmm. can understand, you know, it really is. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's, there's no doubt about it. The reason why um, blues was, was able to be um, uh, taken to the next level by white musicians is because black musicians didn't want to feel that pain anymore. <laughs> like right. uh, we had gotten to a certain black people as a, as society got to a certain point in the sixties where um, they wanted music that represented who they were at that point, like Motown music. Um, the times were changing, um, people were changing, and blues represented for 
a lot of people um, uh, a period of pain that that they wanted to forget about. So black people were like, you know what? You know, you can have the blue. Honestly, the blues reminds us of slavery and things of that nature. So we wanted to dance to the music like Motown and we wanted to to celebrate. We wanted to celebrate. Right. Um, We wanted to feel in love like how Motown was my girl and my guy. All those beautiful songs that came like it, it was a time for our people to heal and celebrate. And blues was painful, but that's why you know white guys were able to come along, and that pain was mysterious to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's something that you know. I I love Mike Bloomfield. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Bloomfield, big Les Paul player in the '60s. He played with um John Mayle and the Blues Bray and a really amazing blues player um white dude and he learned about the blues from going to chicago with his you know with his mac with his black maid she would take him shopping um different areas of chicago um and and the black and that's how he learned about um the blues and as a young white man it was intriguing to him like it was something that he never experienced and um so that's what it was like and that's why you know Black guitarists and everything moved on to other forms of music, funk. Like we wanted to party, we wanted to celebrate, like you said, and and that burst funk. So I mean, you know, it, it music is so amazing, man. Like I, I would, I, I would um, encourage everyone, man, to um, again find your dynamic. If you like some really heavy stuff. Find the softest stuff you could find, <laughs> and, and then try to, and then try to find like what you like in in, in that realm as well, mm-hmm. because it's so therapeutic. If you listen to heavy stuff all day and then you just go and kick back, like you said, to some Sam Cooke, it's like that can lift your body, it can change your spirit. Music has a lot to do with. Everyone knows as musicians, you know, minor and major and colors and tones. It all affects you how you feel and. And how you are, your health, man. It, it's some serious stuff. Like people really wonder why if you bang on an open E all day, why well, sometimes that might not be conducive to a, a great feeling all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's one tonal thing mm-hmm. all the time. Like uh, like it, it, it can having no diversity in your music can and will wear on your soul. So, you know, like, make sure that if you love heavy music, that's awesome. That's what you do. Awesome. Or that's what you play. But have a dynamic in your life um, so where it's balanced. Heavy, soft. Like we was talking about before, all the greatest records of all time in any genre had that delicate balance between, um, you know, soft and loud, hard and heavy. And, you know, the delicate sound of thunder. Man, it's... Uh, it can be really effective in music and life. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a real thing. You know, it's, 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 it's so hard for people to put their finger on, but like you, you know it when you hear it and like the way it affects your mood and the way it enhances other aspects of art. Like imagine watching a movie. Now, sometimes this can be pulled off really well, but it doesn't happen very often. But imagine watching a horror movie with no soundtrack. It'd be like, okay, that was probably, that looked good. But I didn't yeah. like it didn't hit me, you know, like it wasn't in there. Yeah. Sometimes half and, jump scares are just because there's a sound. <laughs> absolutely. And like and and to just to further expand on that, you can play with 
emotions based on the sounds that you put, you know, in, in certain, cause I, I compose for film. And like you said, a jump scare is different um, with dramatic, scary music. Mm-hmm. Then it then it would sound if it sounded like the sound of a jack in the box. <laughs> jump scare is not dramatic if it's like boink, you know. Yeah. Jump scare is dramatic if it's E minor, scary mm-hmm. stuff, you know. So um, yeah, dynamics, mood, tone. Like once you like learn how to shred and scales and chords and things of that nature, I started going deeper. Like okay, what are chords that make people feel good? Yeah. What are chords that make people feel angry? Like um, I, I started listening to anthems, like the biggest rock anthems. And again, that's why I was able to capture that sound on, on, on ghetto metal. I started listening to the biggest rock anthems like Pour Some Sugar On Me, mm-hmm. like Kiss, Kiss I Love It Loud, or Shout It Out Loud, or Rock and Roll All Night. I looked at all those anthems and like, yeah, what made, what what makes the hair go up on your arms about that? Right. Um, if you take a song like Motley Crue, Home Sweet Home, dynamic, that beautiful piano in, in the beginning. I don't care how heavy you claim you are. If you don't feel that joint, you ain't got a, a heart in your chest. I don't care if you hate Motley. Home Sweet Home is a banger. It is. That piano, mm-mm-mm. it's like, it's one of those First of all, I loved it as a kid, but it was one of those songs that as a, as producers or as guitarists, like you, you can't be turned off by a certain group um, or a certain genre. You have to look at every group, every genre and, and pull something from it. That was a, that song was amazing production, amazing um, way to show dynamics. That beautiful piano in the beginning, really heartfelt, beautiful lyric, driving, soaring chorus. Amazing solo. I don't know why they people knock Nick Mick Mars for that. Actually, I was just talking to my man Joey P, good friend of mine, Joey P, um, guitar player, my buddy, and a big Motley fan, huge Motley fan. And um, we was talking about how people say that Mick Mars's solo on Hold Sweet Home is the worst guitar solo ever. Like, who, who are making these polls? Like that, like that, yeah, crazy. That was voted, and I had to go back and look it up. Like, somebody really voted that? Yeah, in one of those stupid 90s or mid-2000 <laughs> polls, you know, they tried to say that Home Sweet Home was the worst guitar solo of the 80s. Because it's cool to bag on, you know, groups like Motley and Poison or whatever, but Home Sweet Home, crazy joint, a lesson in dynamics, a lesson in, you would never think a beautiful piano line like that could go in a hard rock song, right? Yeah, well, Motley showed everybody wrong. That's their signature joint. You know, probably so, I know so millions worldwide, they can't play a song without it. So it just goes to show. And before that, I don't even think that, you know, they ever had ballads or anything. So at one point, they had to open up their minds to do new to do new songs. A producer had to step in and be like, you know what, guys, I think maybe we need one of these new fangled power ballads that'll push up, push us over. Right. They picked the right one. And that that was that's crazy. Yeah, but dynamics. Dynamics is everything in music and life. Yeah. If if they think that that's the worst guitar solo they ever heard, I have some on my hard drive that they should listen to. And they will. <laughs> <behind>. Yeah, <exactly. laughs> 
that's a that's a well very well constructed guitar solo, man. Like I, I need to play more motley tunes, but they they tune down to D. Mm-hmm. And um to, to get it to sound, you know, right. I mean, I, I, obviously, I could play it a couple steps down, but um, but I have a new, I have a Kramer that has the Eddie Van Halen detuner, so I can get around a lot of Motley tunes if I just pull that out, go to drop D, mm-hmm. and I, I can wing the rest. But yeah, I need to uh, shout out to Motley Crew, shout out to Mick Mars, um, and yeah, Home Sweet Home banger. Now, yeah, look. I, I know it sounds funny. I'm a hip hop dude, black hardcore cat, but some of my favorite songs were the the, the most the sappiest '80s um, hair band power ballad type. Oh yeah, jazz. oh yeah. You know, like all day long. You know, um, living on a prayer. Of course. Uh, I mean, you know, Van Halen with Sammy joined. I like. I love David Lee Roth. Love Roth, but the joints with Sammy with the keyboard. See, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think being a black dude, like, and when I listen to music, like, I, I'm not mad at Van Halen or Rush when they start using keyboards. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not mad at them if they get a little funky because I, I'm always listening to that for that. Not listening for it, but I'm always in tune to it when I listen to music. So when those bands, like, when they started to expand their sound palette, like, those were a lot of the songs that I, that I like, man. Like, uh, like yeah, all those Van Halen songs where he's playing the keyboard, like that's just this amazing texture and just tonal quality on, on all those songs, man. Like really, really dope stuff, man. Love yeah. it. Oh yeah. So like one of the things that uh, I think that is underrated with some of the ballads is like really listen to how well constructed like okay maybe you don't like the overall sound of that kind of thing maybe there's too much uh, you know flanger on it for you whatever but listen to how powerful and well constructed the melodies are like listen to is this love by white snake and tell me that that's oh. not- listen to that song it's insane. Say a little something. If I can show you my 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 Spotify playlist, and I, that might be something cool cool to do. Like when we get off, I, I'll give you a, a Spotify playlist, big KO Toma playlist, bunch of joint, maybe ten songs that inspired me and the, and the sound of ghetto metal. And that'd be fun. Maybe maybe you can throw a link um in the video to it. You know, for your listeners um to give your Patreon fans something a little extra. But you know, um, yeah, White Snake. Is this love? And um, but okay. and here I go again. But is this love? It, it's like a um a, a lesson on how to do a great rock ballad. Listen to the solo by John Sykes. It has like a violinist quality. Like he's the bending he's doing again. I, you're gonna use that term. It's sexy. The White Snake was, was now. See, that's a band. If, if you're into heavy stuff. Like, like, no matter how heavy you are, don't want some is this love to throw in? Like, that's the yo, that's uh, yeah, that's that's as close. See, black people call that a slow jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this love is a is this love is a great rock slow jam? Like, mm-hmm. yo, you, you could you can put that on in when it's time to uh. Turn it down a couple notches. Turn just <laughs> probably turn the game down a little bit. Everything doesn't have to the game doesn't always have to be up on 10. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? To turn the game down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So my wife is like openly like not a hair metal fan. She doesn't like hair metal. It's just right. not a thing. And but 
she's like, but she's like, here I go again. Now that's a song. I mean, you can't argue, you just can't argue with it. You can't argue I've, with it. I've asked a, a lot of people over uh, uh, from a lot of different backgrounds about that song. And universally, I'm going to tell you, you know, even the most hardcore, thugged out black cats I know are like, and, and one thing I found out that black women love that song too. Here I go again. Mm-hmm. Song of a friend of mine. Oh, she's banging. You know, it, it, it's, you know, see, that's what's wonderful about music. When the melody is good and the beats hit a certain way and you have a singer that's, you know, David Coverdale has a little bit of swag, a little bit of soul. And it's like a pot. You just start mixing those ingredients. You get a song that everyone loves. And those are songs that become classic. Here I Go Again is one of the top 10 rock classics of all time because no yeah. matter who you are, no matter where you at, when that chorus drops, if you don't turn it up and pump your fist, you just don't have a heart in your chest. <laughs> it's like, if you don't, if you don't love snakes, here I go again. I don't know. You need to reevaluate, uh, like life. That's an amazing song. I, I honestly, I, I've never in my life, I'm 46 years old. I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that song was whack. I don't think I have either. I think I mean, has anyone ever said, you can say, oh, I don't like white snake. Or, I don't like hair metal or, I don't ever, no one has ever said that song, white or black or any other nationality could be. That song is just universally a banger. Yep. Word. Yeah. I I have watched like the crustiest of spiky haired, like gutter punks play that on the streets. of. Gotta give it up. (laughs) And it shouldn't be a guilty pleasure, man. Like that's another thing we have to get over. Like I'm over that. I'm over it. Because we had a certain age. Like, right, you've hit a certain like, age where it doesn't it doesn't matter to you. Mm-hmm. Like, like peer pressure about what you like and what you listen to doesn't matter because you're you're over thirty and you have two kids. The only thing that matters to you is what cool to you like and what's cool to your family. Uh, yeah, I remember when I had the real realization that I I was over that hump was when Miley Cyrus came out with Wrecking Ball, and I was like, I was like, I'm not supposed to like <laughs> this. Is not, this is not for me, and I was like. I don't care. This song is awesome. Like, listen to that. Listen to this soaring melody. Like, listen to this song. This is an awesome song. Like, yo, that that's what's crazy about music when it moves you. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 it's it's magic. It 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 sometimes it it transcends everything you thought you do. And yeah, for me, like that realization came early. Mm-hmm. You know, listening to to rock, I got over that like real quick. Like when I when I was like seven or eight years old, it's like. Well, yeah, I, honestly, it was Van Halen jump. Yeah, because that keyboard melody it was just like, "Come to me." Mm-hmm. People now try to front on it. Oh, I hate it. You guys are a bunch of old. That's one thing that's bad about rock fans; like they cannot let go of nostalgia. Same thing with hip hop fans; like it's they they won't support classic artists because it's, they just can't forget about the classics that they made and it's especially true with with rock fans mm-hmm. um so you know in retrospect people try to bag on on van halen 1984 but that keyboard line <laughs> was like i always looked at van halen it, they were a gateway band yeah that, um no matter what your nationality was it's a fun band like you want to be down with them like i wanted to be a kid in the hot for teacher video right <laughs> because it, it it looked like what eight or nine year old did couldn't it was just dope 
You know, Van Halen always struck me as a band that was so fun that if you were lost in a neighborhood and you were walking by a house party that was jumping and you were on the outside and you can see and hear the party, older kids hanging out, and then somebody stumbles out the front door mm-hmm. to light a cigarette. That guy would be David Lee Roth. <laughs> if, you were, if you were a kid outside, it's like it felt like Van Halen's music, like David Lee Roth turned you like, hey kid, come on in. That's right. It was in, it was inviting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it was like a circus. So uh, as a young, you know, black dude, like I, I love Van Halen because it was so fun. It felt like, look, I can be down with this. They don't care. It's it's all it's about you know chicks rocking hard and really you know dope music and then it, it didn't hurt for eddie to play the solo on beat it you know right. like um that made tons of young black kids van halen fans straight mm-hmm. up and if you wasn't a fan you knew who van halen was because he had just did that on michael jackson record again it was that that 80s stuff to where those those cultural boundaries were being broken down through music, man. Amazing. Van Halen was, was a gateway band that made you feel like, come on in. You, you're down with the party. Just like they weren't four white dudes to me. They were four characters. And I didn't feel alienated. I felt like, yeah, I can be one of those characters or my own character. Mm-hmm. You know, that excellent gateway band, uh, Van Halen and Kiss. Uh, just a, a lot of amazing stuff. And when I, when I think about music and um, I think a lot of times people take it for granted, especially when you have to make a living from it. it, it it's hard when, look, when your pot, when this podcast determines whether or not you're going to be able to pay your bills next month, potentially. I mean, I don't know whether it is, but everything yeah. that we do professionally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and and if you want to take the fun out of something real quick, <laughs> put, put life pressure on it. So that's <laughs> what being a, a professional mi- musician is about. Mm-hmm. Music loses the fun because there's a lot of life pressure on it. Yeah. Um, so again, again, I stress this all throughout our conversation this evening um, for young guitarists take the pressure off yourself. Like don't try to compete with anyone. Don't, you know, um, try to make money from your guitar playing, but don't feel like you have to, or if you are making monetizing your channel or your content, know when to take a break, you know, or when you're being burnt out. Um, I mean, I mean, I think the viewers of individuals channels would, would um, benefit from just great content and the way you make, Continuing content is being inspired to do so. So, yeah, uh, find, finding inspiration is tough. I'm not trying to preach, but from a cat that's been there and um, been through the peaks and valleys as a guitar player, then you know, especially a, a black guitar player, um, I, you know, you got to keep pushing, got to keep going, but also find what you love in it and learn to nurture that because at the end of the day, that's what's going to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in general, like if you if you aren't enjoying it at all anymore, it's going to come out and then other people are going to be like, I feel like he's phoning this one in. You know, I, you know, I can feel the, you know, the authenticity. I absolutely went, got to that point and right around the beginning of 2020. I was at that point. I was 
competing with people I should have been competing with in terms of seeing what they were doing at certain companies and like, you know, feeling that I could do it. And I was beating myself up for nothing. And it's funny, DMC, I called DMC. I'm like, I'm not feeling, not feeling motivated. I'm not feeling um, emotionally strong and well. I just, it was about a month before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And he told me like, yo, he sent me a, one of those text messages that (laughs) are like this. Yep just about purpose and focus and what I'm here to do and what we ha- yet have to do. And this was before a couple of years before ghetto metal. So that really kicked. And he told me like, yo, do exactly what you love. Okay. If you wake up and you don't want to do the interview, don't do it. If you wake up and you want to read comic books, do it. If you wake up, and you want to eat an English muffin, do it, mm-hmm. do what you want to do. And I told him like, it was easy for you to say, like you have, hundred million or whatever. <laughs> so it's harder for, for, for normal guys to do what they want to do. But then the pandemic happened. Yeah. Shut everything and everyone down. So then now, you know what, now you really could do what you wanted to do for a couple months, mm-hmm. you know, and that was life changing for me. So I got back to what I loved, which was picking up the guitar, playing all genres. And then as a result, DMC and I did a record called Missed Opportunity with my boy, um, Kurt Lloyd, um, Douglas from the Roots. Yeah. Amazing guitar player and um, Gibson artist. Um, and then after that record, it was off to the roots. Um, I was just super focused and super reinvigorated. And eventually we got around to Ghetto Metal, and which is, again, it was one of those records that I was trying to make something that the hip hop guys absolutely would love. And that the rock guys absolutely would love and not compromising the sound at all. And it takes a while. It's like walking on a tightrope. <clears throat> but when you can finally walk it and you know, okay, well, this is how I can walk it to please both sides. I think uh, we, we've really done a great job. Like fans of classic rock really love this record. Hip hop guys really love the record. Metal guys really love the record. People are throwing their horns up. Honestly, DMC says it's a record like Walk This Way that is, can unite everyone again. And that's the best comp- compliment that I, that I can get. Man, that's, from him. that's that's incredible. I mean, coming from from him, that's <laughs> that's pretty big because that that you're going to throw the links. You're going to throw the links to the video in the um, description, right? Yeah. 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 So like, yeah, so though this will all be uh, available for everybody. Um, yeah. The um, the impact that Walk This Way had. Like, I, I don't know if it can be overstated. Like, it totally changed culture across the board for everybody. Like, you know, I don't want to say that they were on the downside, but, you know, I could, well, the argument could be made that Aerosmith was kind of falling out of the limelight a little bit at the time. And then, no, I mean, let, you know, no, let's be, let's face it. They, before um, Walk This Way, that the previous album, uh, I think it was called Done With Mirrors, had flopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wasn't aware of Aerosmith um, until about a year before Walk This Way, um, they re-released Dream On and a, and a video for it, like back in 86. And MTV started playing that video. That was a little bit prior to Walk This Way. So, um, yeah, they, they were definitely on the downside. Yeah. So I think when that, when that came out, that, I mean, that propelled that band out of kind of the doldrums to like legendary status. Like it was amazing, you know, and what 
what's even more amazing is that because of Walk This Way, the next year when Permanent Vacation dropped, which was their, their album right after that, they had a whole new slew of fans because <laughs> this young black dude was like, oh shit, excuse me. Oh, that was Aerosmith. Right. That was just rocking with, with Run DMC. What, what is the new song? Dude looks like a lady. Oh, okay. This is <laughs> you know, like I love that because honestly, Walk This Way was just ending the rotation and then Run DMC dropped It's Tricky. Yep. Um, <laughs> as, as their last, as their last single. And then during that time, Aerosmith dropped Permanent Vacation. So Aerosmith benefited from that buzz, dropped their album while Run DMC was still buzzing. So as a result, Permanent Vacation was one of my favorite records back then. Every single off that I love. Dude Looks Like a Lady, um, Angel, and Ragdoll, I think was Mm -hmm. the third single. All of them funky, like all of them. But yeah, because Run DMC rocked with them, they had a fan for life. And that's what you know, great crossovers and mashups are supposed to do. They're supposed to, and I'm sure just like a lot of Aerosmith fans didn't like what was emerging um, in hip hop, but because of Walk This Way, it that opened them up to like Public Enemy, and I'm sure, you know, and those Run DMC fans that they made back then are still with them to this day, man. Um, all those rock fans that, that they made back in the day, like, shout out to, um, Shout out to all those fans because those are the fans that are still supporting, you know, these records like like Ghetto Metal, and it really, it really broke. It was symbolic what Steven Tyler did in the video, um, breaking the walls down. Mm-hmm. That's really what happened culturally and just musically, man. And um, it's beautiful. Like if, if the world can go back and look at those moments again, I think moving forward we would be better, man. Like as a people back at you know, 35 years ago, we were trying to break down walls, not put them up, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't know. But again, music can heal. And uh, I think it's important to fill your spirit with music that can heal you. Yeah. Well, and it goes to show like, you know, one song can literally change the world, like literally change the whole world and it can happen and it will happen again it will i mm-hmm. i know it will because music's too powerful it yeah, just every five years it seems or every you know couple of years there are, are songs in every genre that can it, it, but it was more prevalent back in the day like um you know we are the world that's what friends are for like there were songs about bigger um things that were bigger mm-hmm. um and then also the attention span of people it's 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 hard to make a global impact song maybe these days. It would have to be it would have to be a topic that uh I think that universally the world um is with. Like how in the eighties it was USA for Africa, every, the world agreed that the famine in Africa was, was horrible and everyone wanted to do something about it. Yeah. Um I I think the world is so fragmented now that I don't think that there's a cause that more than 60% of people all believe it. You know what I'm saying? Which is sad. It used to be the topics in back in the day were very general. Love. In the 60s and 70s, John Lennon said, all you need is love, mm-hmm. right? It was something that the world could get behind because it was a, a one universal unifying topic. Now the world is so fragmented. Like I, I don't even think something as, as, as beautiful and simplistic as love 
can can make the world unite. It's like uh, I don't know. It's gonna take. I don't know what it's gonna take. It's gonna take uh, like we talked about before. It's gonna take the youth, music, and love. Mm-hmm. I I I don't know. I I um <clears throat> I I feel like maybe sometimes I try to be realistic, but I I recognize like. One of the things that it, it sounds crazy to say, and some people actually get mad at you when you say it, that despite all this craziness that we've experienced the last two years, uh, despite all that, I would make an argument that most people are probably in a, in a more comfortable place than they would have been in the 1930s. You know what I mean? Like, I think overall, things are getting actually better. And so... yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just it's popular to say otherwise, you know. No, I, I absolutely. We have more access to seeing the atrocities, so we feel like there's more of them. I think that's what's going on. That you're absolutely right. That's what I was about to say. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, thank God, back in the '30s, every atrocity wasn't pub, you know, publicized. Maybe it did need to be. And maybe we wouldn't have had so many years of, of those atrocities, but I, you're you're right. Like um, nowadays, um, everything bad that happens amplified and spread around the world very quickly. Mm-hmm. But I, I think also like good feelings and love is able to, to be spread the same way. Yep. Um, but again, people tend to spread negativity and rumors and bad news. Like when someone passes away on your timeline. You see tons of people paying RIPs to musicians they may have never met or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's like people are, are more, um, people like to participate more uh, in negativity these days. I don't know if it's like participation is the right word, but it's easier to participate in um, negativity than positivity these days, which is, which is odd. Like it's easier to post to rest in peace to someone than it is to um, say something good about their music or something about that. You know what I mean? Like, or even say a particular artist that someone shows condolences to, if that artist didn't die, you may not have been t- talking great about that artist's music. Like the day before, what, did you post that artist's music and say how great it was? But mm-hmm. then the artist dies and then the next day is all right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think there's a morbidity that that's in the culture today and society, and we are desensitized to um, pain and um, and uh, empathy is gone. That needs to come back. Honestly, the most big, it's very simple, dude. And this is why I try to tell my kids all the time: you can overthink it, overcomplicate it. Love, empathy, caring, compassion. Those are all things you try to live your life by and all things you try to put in your music, period. Mm-hmm. Love, caring, like the new record with, with D, I wanted, to make, I wanted to make people my age feel good, feel young again. You know, um, take it back to that era before responsibilities, bills, pandemics, <laughs> things of that nature. Took, taking it back to when I was a kid and I got this first Kiss tape. Kiss Asylum, 1985. How many times I listened to it. Um, you know, what it what it made me feel like um, hearing tears of falling or who wants to be lonely. That's what music should be about, man. Feeling good. Yeah. Feeling good, love, empathy, compassion. It sounds corny, 
Um, and you know what? It may be a corny premise, but that's the premise that that's needed to heal the world right now. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's the most basic. And again, the reason why I asked you before, I don't want to get too long winded. We don't have much time left. Um, but I, the reason why I asked you before, like, what do you love to or make love to? Is I think that's important for everyone to tap into, mm-hmm. even the heaviest of cats, the heaviest of black metal cats. Who who like who, who listen to Norwegian Norwegian death metal? Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by um, just you know mind states. Like I want to talk to musicians like that. You know, we're all musicians. What do you cats listen to when it's time to cool out? <laughs> or just you know what I'm saying like even the, or the heaviest of uh, blues rockers or the. I even asked, you know, the hardest of hip hop guys, like, wait, but I know what they listen to when it's time to cool out. They listen to slow jams. Right. It's only like it's only like rock guys that have um, problems with their sensitive side or, or that <laughs> smooth side or that love side. You know what I'm saying? Like, so everyone needs to find, um, <laughs> I guess, that soft side. You know, that love side and, and getting getting in touch with that. The heaviest dudes, I. I I, I challenge you all, no matter how heavy or hardcore you think you may be, to find the softest thing in your life and find enjoyment of it. Because I can guarantee you the heaviest, most hardcore uh, metal act there is when they're at home with their daughter, they're soft as <laughs> pudding pie. Oh, yeah. I don't care. I don't care how much, how many devil horns they throw or Throw, bite the head off bats or throw bloody meat to the crowd. It's all a stick, right? When people mm-hmm. get home and they kiss their wife and they kiss their daughters, it you know, it, it's it's about love and sensitivity. So again, the main theme in my life, and we've talked about it all night, dynamics, finding the balance, because you can't go hard all the time. Take it from me, you go hard all the time, you're gonna crash yep. at some point. Absolutely. I think that's good advice, man. That's a good, uh, it's a good thing for everybody to remember. You got to have balance in your life, whether that's uh, in how much you're working versus how much you're spending time with your family or whether that's, you know, I can't eat too many cheeseburgers, you know, I got to, yeah. <laughs> I want to stick around. Yeah, and that, and as a musician, that made me, Hey, you know what? I need to put this guitar aside for a week and get my life together. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of times I also like to stress, you know, good mental health. That's something to me and, Daryl talk about a lot. Um, go to therapy if you need it. Don't feel that you're such a tough, hardcore guy that you can't sit down and talk about your problems. Because trust me, problems are are there to be worked out. And it's amazing what um, talking to the right people can do for your life. Take it from me. Take it from DMC. DMC is someone who struggled with addiction. Got over it. You can't be the king of rock and rock and roll hall of fame. And, and and not struggle um, and not overcome things in your life. And, you know, um, you can't be so tough that um, you can't, you have to be able to ask for help and you have to be able to be able to talk about um, what you're feeling, everything. And this is for all my dudes who listen to heavy music. Um, you know, um, you have to maybe know, again, when to not listen to heavy stuff. Let right. your soul vibe on something else. Um, maybe the heavy music is contributing to how you feel every day. You'll never know unless you try to change some things. So if you're having struggles in your life, um, again, it's about balance. 
talk to somebody if needed. And look, the toughest cats, the toughest dudes do talk to somebody because it takes a lot of strength to admit that you need help and talk. So I think it's important for musicians. And then another thing I want to touch on before we go. Yeah. Somebody may try to tell you, oh, try to play through it. Play through the pain. I, I want to drop a curse, but I'm not. That's total <laughs> BS. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody tries to tell you to just play through it and, oh, use that pain, use it. Use it for what? To make it, you make yourself worse or to make a joint, a, a song filled with pain? No. You have to know as a musician to when you're hurting that you need to turn off. Don't try to work through your pain. You know, like pain is something that you're experiencing in your life. Know when to turn music. If you if something that is affecting your life so badly that you can't even make music and your life is suffering, put music to the side and work on yourself. Music will be there when you get back, and when you get back to it, it you, you you'll make the most beautiful music in your life because you took that time. So you know my advice in in closing: don't try to play through the pain. You know when people try to say, "Yo, use the pain, pour it into your music." I can tell you a lot of artists who try to do that that are no longer here with us. Hendrix, um, um, Joplin, mm-hmm. Morrison. I'll go down a list. Can't always play through your pain. If Jimi Hendrix would have had the foresight of somebody in his life to tell him in the summer of 1970, yo, Chip, I'm taking you off the road. Um, you don't need to play guitar. Don't think about shows. Don't think about any commitments. That's it. Um, you need to work on yourself and we're gonna and we're gonna help you work on yourself and we're gonna give you the time you need to breathe. If somebody would told him that in August of 1970, he never would have died in 19 uh, in, in September of 1970. He had people constantly pushing him, telling him he needed to do this. He felt like, oh, if I don't get back on stage, I'm not gonna make money. I need to, I need to get back into the studio. I just finished building electric Wayland. I owe people money. Somebody in his life need to tell him. Chill. Stop. Work on yourself. Because if Jimmy doesn't get right right now, Jimmy won't be around. When I think about the musicians we lost because someone didn't tell them to stop, effed up. John Bonham, stop. Somebody in your life, like your bandmates, stop. John, we need you here. The world needs you. Stop. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Jam Master Jay. I wish somebody could have interceded in what was going on in his life. Stop. You know, I'm John Lennon. You know what I'm saying? I wish someone could have told him, don't go back to the apartment that day. Or somebody, Mark David Chapman, the feeling that you have, get help. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be afraid to get help. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you stronger. 100%. And that is a perfect way to wrap this thing up, I think. I don't think it gets any better than that. Um, Thank you for having me, brother. Honestly, it was really, I don't know how much about guitars we talked about, but um, we certainly <laughs> talked about, no, we certainly talked about the tone of life. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why it's the show about guitar stuff occasionally sometimes, you know? No, the tone mob, talk about everything has as a metaphor to it. The tone of your life, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. If you don't have the tone of your life correct, it doesn't make a difference. You can have a $10,000, 1959, less Paul. If your life is not, if the tone of your life is not tweaked, 
then you're not going to be able to make great music. So I think the metaphor to use is tweak your life the same way that we tweak effects. I love it. We're, con- we're constantly looking for the perfect signal or the perfect pedal or, and um, like tweak your life the same way. Put the same amount of effort in, in your life the way you do as your board. Each part of your board does something different, whether it's a drive, delay, et cetera, et cetera. And your soul is the same way. Know when to take certain parts out. Know when you need to replace a wire someplace. Mm-hmm. Musicians, we need you here. We need you here to rock the world and we need you to change the world. So stay healthy, stay positive. Absolutely. I have a feeling this is going to be a public episode at some point. <laughs> this, uh, this was too good to stay behind the paywall forever. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, and I, I got to say to um, you know, to all your Patreon viewers and all your viewers, um, I'm going to get you out a copy of um, DMC and I's first single. I'm going to send them to the Tone Mob. He'll get them out to you. Um, and uh, so, yeah, thank everybody for tuning in and please support the channel, the Tone Mob um, support on Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere um, where great podcasts are broadcast. Thank you so much, dude. This is amazing. Talk to you thank soon. Thank you, brother. Yep. Talk to you soon. There you have it. I think you probably have a little better idea of why this had to go public now. So, yeah, I'm really, really thankful to Big KO for taking the time. That was awesome. He's getting to do some really, really cool things, working on some really, really cool projects since this conversation first happened. So make sure you slide over to his socials and check that out because it's going to be awesome. It's really going to be cool. Thank you again for hanging out. If you like this show, if you want to keep it going, please tell your friends about it. Tell your local guitar tech about it. Tell anybody you can think of about it, because that is how this thing keeps going. Thank you very much to everyone that has done that. I super appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I will talk to you on the internet very soon. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you, that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. 
I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.